I invite you to join with me in turning in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 25, the first 11 verses, where we read there about the death of Abraham, page 37 in your pew Bibles, Genesis chapter 25. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimram, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan was the father of Sheba and Dedan. The descendants of Dedan were the Asherites, the Letushites, and the Lemites. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Epher, Hanak, Abida, and Eldah. All these were descendants of Keturah. Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac. But while he was still living, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them away from his son Isaac to the land of the east. Altogether, Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years. And he was gathered to his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre, in the field of Ephron, son of Zoar, the Hittite, the field Abraham had bought from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with his wife, Sarah. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who then lived near Beer Lahai Roy. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 Paul says these words at the end of his life with the sense of um, his, um, his death approaching. He said to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Um, Here we come to the end of Abraham's life, Genesis chapter 25. And and when you come to the end of Abraham's life, you think about those kinds of words that Paul said. Um, You think about the kind of things that we say, uh, finishing strong, ending your life well. These are things that um, we desire for our loved ones. These are things that we think about for ourselves. Um, I don't want to stumble at the end of my life and everything I've lived for before um, would fall through the cracks. I want to end my life well. I want to finish strong. And when you come to the end of uh, Abraham's life, um, you, uh, you get the sense that, that that's what the, 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 the Bible uh, scripture is trying to communicate to us. The author of, of Genesis, Moses here, is trying to communicate to us is that Abraham finished strong. Abraham ended his life well, um, and um, this, uh, this passage in particular has become even more profound uh, to me um, in this past week um, because uh, on my time off, I had to do a few uh, funerals of ones that we care about and ones that we love, um, thinking about those words of Paul, fighting the good fight, finishing the race, keeping the faith. Seeing that in the life of Tom, seeing that life of 
Daryl's seen that in the life of Abraham here this morning. Realizing that what we have of the story of Abraham in the Bible is not all good. It's not all positive. There are, there are ups and downs. There are uh, times of great faith and there are times of great doubt. There are times when Abraham did what he was called to do and, and he sought after Lot and his family and he rescued them back. And there were times when Abraham turned his wife over to uh, somebody else um, twice. But the, the culmination of this at the end of his life is that um, he's the father of the faithful. He's the great patriarch of faith. He, he finished strong. He ended his life well. It's not only important that we acknowledge that, but that we uh, acknowledge another very important reality. Um, and that is that even though Genesis chapter 25, the first 11 verses record for us... Um, the end of Abraham's earthly life, death does not keep the promises of God from being fulfilled. Death does not keep the promises of God from being fulfilled. We've got three points this morning. The first is more kids. The second is inheritance. The third is death. And now probably one of the most shocking things about um, Genesis chapter 25, um, and it's a bit hard to tell, what, you know, that the events with Isaac and Rebekah come before what uh, uh, Genesis 25 was describing for us here about Abraham taking another wife and having more children. Um, was this going on simultaneously? Uh, that these other, all these other events were happening? I'm not really quite sure what the chronology is. But what we do know is that when, Ab- when Abraham's wife Sarah died, he was pretty old. <laughs> like, really old. Um, yet, he takes another wife, Ketera, and has these other children. Um, he takes these other children. And, um, and the, the, probably the most prominent among these children will be the, the, the Midianites. They'll play a role in later redemptive history. Um, they will be the, the, the tribal group that will carry Joseph off to Egypt. Um, and and uh, trade him off and, as a, for payment as a slave, um, and then uh, later on they will um, they will encounter Israel as Moses leads them back into the Promised Land, and they're part of that group of uh, Balaam the prophet convinced these Midianite women to go and to sleep with the um, Israelite men and to lead them away from God, and then there's judgment um, proclaimed upon Midian because of this. So. Um, it's not necessarily a, a good history that uh, Israel has with Midian in the future. But one of the things I want you to notice about um, these first um, 11 verses is that in reality, um, Isaac is sort of taking a back seat. Um, in, in, in much of the story that we've heard about Isaac so far, uh, he's done the same thing. It's all about Abraham's servant going and finding a wife for Isaac. Isaac's there at the end. Isaac takes uh, Rebekah as his wife. He's comforted, um, but that's all we hear. Um, right here in Genesis 25, um, his story goes relatively untold in the grand scheme of things. In fact, um, the Isaac narrative in Genesis is, is quite insignificant. Uh, he's almost like a, 
a placeholder. Following uh, his story of marriage, we're told that Abraham married a second wife and juxtaposed against what we hear later about Isaac and Rebekah's fertility problems seems to be something that runs in the family. Um, we have a list of more children that Abraham and Keturah produce. Isaac's story really doesn't pick up with him, but rather um, he's like a placeholder. And then where things really kick up again is with his sons, Jacob and Esau. Now, this makes an important point about salvation history. Um, the call of Abraham initiates a single divine project that moves forward to its ultimate conclusion. Um, when Abraham dies and, and this promise continues on to Isaac, it's not a new project. And, and the, uh, the biblical writer seems to be communicating this to us. That uh, Isaac is not really important. In fact, um, the, 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 uh, the whole redemptive history from Abraham to Jesus is one unified, one developing project. And the way um, the biblical theologian Gerardus Voss describes this is as, um, as a little uh, acorn that's planted in the ground and it grows into a great and wonderful tree. Genetically, it's the same material. Genetically, it's the same thing, but it's developing, it's growing. And, and, and the, the biblical author wants us to see here, um, God wants us almost to, to, to grasp this notion that uh, the names here are not that important. What's important is that what's being accomplished through these people is the salvation of a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. There are many developments there are many seeming diversions, but no new beginnings, no new starts, no real change between the beginning and the end. They're all made up of the same stuff, Old Testament and New Testament, same redemptive project of God. That's why um, Isaac seems to take a back seat. Um, it's not important that we hear everything that we need to hear about Isaac. What we need to know is that the promises that God made to Abraham are carrying on into the future, carrying on into the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation, and coming to fruition ultimately in the life of Jesus Christ. So yes, Abraham had more kids, but we read something important about these other kids. Verses 5 through 6 tell us about inheritance. Verse 5, it's reiterated that Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac. After there was this whole buildup of there being a possibility of there being um, an, an inheritance issue with Ishmael. After this whole buildup of, of Sarah basically saying, send that woman and, and the son away. Um, and God saying, you know what, Sarah's being a little grumpy, but she's right. I'm, I'm wanting you to do this. And so Abraham uh, loves his son Ishmael. It's his, his first son. And he sends them away. He sends them off because he doesn't want there to be any issue with who is the one who's going to inherit. He doesn't want there to be any issue who's going to be the son of inheritance. And that's Isaac. But then we find out that Abraham goes and decides to have a bunch of other kids. What's going on here? No, but verse 5 tells us Abraham left everything to Isaac. He is the inheritor. Um, but just so that we know that Abraham is a kind gentleman, Abraham is a considerate person and a good father. While he was still living, he gave gifts to his other sons and he sent them away, much like 
he did with Ishmael uh, from his son Isaac to the land of the east. Um, there's a clear delineation between all these other sons that Abraham has and, uh, and the, the promised seed, the seed of the woman, the continuing uh, blessing that's going to come through the uh, heritage uh, of Abraham, through the um, genetic line of Abraham. He left gifts to his other children, but he sent them away. Therefore, we, we hear from these words that the covenant is not put at risk. The seed continues through the promise. Even though Abraham late in his life had all these other children, this does not threaten the covenant at all. We know that inheritance is still going to come through, uh, through Abraham's seed all the way to Jesus. And now that we've wrapped up these details about these events later on in Abraham's life, we finally hear about uh, his death in verses 7 and following. I thought, I thought a lot in recent days about um, Psalm 128. Um, Psalm 128, you know, encapsulates, I think, what it means to uh, end well. And uh, it sort of is a picture of Abraham's life. It says, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You'll eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion in all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem and may you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. This is what um, verse 7 seems to say. Altogether, Abraham lived 175 years. Then he breathed his last and died at a good old age. An old man and full of years. And he was gathered to his people. That's a, a very short eulogy for somebody who's so important to the story of the Bible. But it's um, appropriate. I also think it's a bit of an understatement when it says an old man and full of years. A good old age. Okay, 175. That's a good old age. That's my goal. I'm going to root for that. I don't know. Do you, would you even want to live 175 years? Mm, I think not. Abraham lived 175 years. <clears throat> he breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man full of years. And he was gathered to his people. Uh, one of the interesting details about this story of um, <clears throat> Abraham's funeral um, is verse 9. You see, Isaac and Ishmael, um, earlier in the story, got separated by the worldly jealousy of family conflict, but also by the larger plan of divine election. But the death of their father brings the two brothers together to bury Abraham. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah. Now, you sort of wonder, did they have some sort of relationship then, all these years that they were separated? Did they, 
send letters to each other? Um, did they still get together for family reunions? Um, or was this just a very awkward um, funeral? <laughs> but Ishmael, even though he was sent away from Abraham, deemed it important to come together again and to honor his father and his death and to bury him. And uh, I think there's something that could be seen about this, something that could be said about this. In a very real sense, this is a foreshadowing of the fulfillment of the covenant promise. If you remember, one of the things that Abraham was promised is that through you, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And Abraham is the father of many nations. He really is. But the promise comes through his one nation, the one nation of Israel. So how exactly is it that this promise that comes through the one nation of Israel ends up being a promise of blessing to all the nations? And when Abraham sent Ishmael away, he made Ishmael another nation. You're not part of this nation anymore. You're another nation. When Abraham and Lot separated, they became another, Lot and his descendants became another nation. When Abraham sent all these other children that he had with Keturah away, they became other nations. But here, death brings these nations back together in Isaac and in Ishmael. And one day, the Jews, Isaac, right? And you could say the Gentiles, uh, what's represented here by Ishmael, all nations who aren't Jews, will be brought together to be the one people of God. Now, those who are not inheritors of the covenant promises become inheritors in Christ who breaks the dividing wall of hostility down. I'd like to read for you Ephesians chapter 2, where we hear about this very thing that Christ accomplished on the cross. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Paul says, this is what Christ accomplished on the cross. He 
broke down the dividing wall of hostility. He broke down the dividing wall that, that separated Jews from Gentiles. Now the way people are identified is not what ethnic background do you have? Are you a Jew or are you a Gentile? No, the way that you are identified now is do you worship God in spirit and in truth? No, the way you are identified now is are you united to Christ or not? Are you in Christ or are you in Adam? That is the only identifier that matters in this world now. Are you in Christ or are you in Adam? And look at the foreshadowing that's happening here in the moment of Abraham's death. In the death of Abraham, the brothers, Jew and Gentile, are brought back together. The fact that these two brothers come together in response to a death even hints at the death of Jesus Christ. Remember I told you, death does not keep the promises of God from being fulfilled. How can we know that? Well, first of all, we can know that because Jesus, when he was asked about whether the resurrection was true or not, he said, don't you know that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Meaning, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are alive. Not God was the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You can't be the God of, uh, of somebody who's not alive anymore. That's what the Sadducees thought, right? Actually, no, Jesus says, no, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they're alive. But also, death does not keep the promises of God from being fulfilled. We can know this because it is through death that God accomplishes his promises in the death of Jesus Christ, our Savior. The dividing wall of hostility is brought down. In the death of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and in his resurrection, of course, the promise that Abraham's seed would be a blessing to all the nations, comes to fruition, comes to fulfillment. But even the basic and powerful ties that bind family members together does not bring a lasting peace and shalom. Isaac and Ishmael don't get along after this. This is why Christ will come and he says, he will divide families, turn fathers against sons, mothers against daughters, But one day all of God's people will be gathered together. One day all of God's people will gather next to that crystal sea. And we will be a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. We will worship God in spirit and in truth throughout all eternity. We will be as John saw in the book of Revelation. After this, I looked, Revelation chapter 7. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces before the throne And worship God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. 
And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the future that awaits us. This is the future that is foreshadowed um, in the death of Abraham. uh, Because the death of Abraham points us to the death of the son of Abraham, Jesus Christ our Savior. So it is important uh, that we um, think about our mortality. It's important that we think about how our life is going to end someday. And it's important that we think about things like ending our life well. Finishing the race, as Paul says. Uh, fighting the good fight. Keeping the faith. Knowing that there is a crown of righteousness in store for us. And for all those who long for his appearing. It's important also that we know that when we pass from this life, um, death does not keep us from the promises of God. Death does not keep the promises of God from being fulfilled. Uh, Rather, they are fulfilled through death. Our death is an entrance into the presence of God. Our death is the end of all sin and suffering. And our death only brings us closer to that destiny that awaits us the resurrection, and of the new heavens and the new earth. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us this great and wonderful comfort. We thank you um, for the testimony and the life of Abraham, um, that he fought the good fight, he finished the race, he kept the faith. Uh, we pray, Lord, um, that we um, all who die in the Lord could have these words said about us, that we breathe their last and died at a good old age, that we were old and full of years and gathered to our people. We pray, Lord, that we would die in you and that we would, Lord, remember that in the death of Jesus Christ, our Savior, uh, the power and sting of death was taken away. Our sins were forgiven. And that, Lord, we are destined to live forever in your presence with all who have um, believed in your Son, Jesus Christ, and long for his appearing. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.